0: Feel that sometimes your life or those of a loved one are complicated and out of control? You're not alone. Welcome to In the Ring with Mia, featuring five time world and international boxing champion Mia St. John. Mia and her guests will share stories and invite open discussions about topics that need to be discussed. You'll be empowered to find help or be help. Now, here's your host, Mia St. John.
1: Welcome, you're in the ring with Mia, and I am your host, Mia St. John. Well, we have a really exciting show lined up today. Um, We're going to be talking to lawyer Rick Collins, who focuses on the legal and ethical issues surrounding anabolic hormones and performance-enhancing drugs, as well as the legality of sports nutrition products, CBD, doping in sports issues, and then we're going to get an update on the coronavirus from Dr. Lawrence Rifkin. So stay tuned for that. Um, how are you doing, Rick?
2: I'm doing great, Mia. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm really excited to talk to you because, you know, I I came out um, a couple years ago admitting that I had used <laughs> anabolic steroids um, throughout my on yeah. and off throughout my career. And, um, it was, I, I had so many critics come out and they they weren't too happy with it, but I felt like, because I tried to come out with it, uh, when I had, I started experiencing health problems because of it. And I tried to come out, um, somewhere towards the latter part of my career, um, to tell right. promoters and, and managers and the commissions and, Um, nobody wanted to hear it. Everybody was just like, no, don't say anything. Hush, hush. We don't want to hear about it. Um, right. And I found that the old, the
2: the old thing, ignorance, ignorance is bliss, right? People just don't want to be faced with it.
1: Right. I feel like, like it, it's boxing's dirty little secret and they want it. They need Mm -hmm. to keep it hidden. Um, and I remember this was like in the in the mid to late '90s. I remember going into, you know, famous gyms, and I remember at one point I saw, I walked in to the men's dressing room, and I saw, you know, a very famous trainer, um, with his fighters and their their pants down, and he was doing the injections, and I was just, <laughs> wow. I you know, I was so even yeah. and, and I was like, oh my. God. Yeah. Oh my god, like what the hell is yeah. going on? Um, and wow. how I was introduced to steroids was my sparring partner. Um, used to she, well, she wasn't when I first started sparring with her, she wasn't very strong. Um, and then as time went on, she got faster and stronger, and I was like, what the hell happened to her, right? And I asked her, yeah, she right. She gave me these little pink pills in a bag and she said here you know start taking these and i didn't know what the heck it was but apparently it was winstrel um okay. which i ended up getting addicted to um and then later um i was introduced to deca which really like right. really affected my health but um
2: uh, and that was that was an injectable,
1: right, man. Right, right. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. towards the latter part of my career, I got um, I developed, well, okay, so first of all, like everybody in the gym was doing it. it I mean, mm-hmm. we would trade off fights. like whoever was fighting, um, w- we would use their urine urine, the one who wasn't fighting. Cause we knew it was clean <laughs> right? and we would trade off. So it wasn't like back in like the nineties, like it wasn't, um, it was pretty common in the gyms. Like I, I got in trouble for saying everybody did it, you know, and then J- Jamil McCline came out and he said, everybody, 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 we all did it. So of course right. there's, yeah. there's exceptions to the rule, right? Like I'm sure not everybody did it, but but when you say that, it, you know, it's a figure of speech. And, and I'm sure any dumbass knows that. I mean, not everybody, but but a large you right. know, majority of us were doing it. And right. it's-, it's
2: a figure of speech. And you know, the, the one person out there who, who takes sense to it. But let me ask you this, Mia. How did how did back in those days, how did the um, how was the switch done so that somebody else's sample was used
1: well, when they send us into the, ba- I don't know how they do it nowadays, but they sent us into the bathroom, um, and you know, with a cup, right? And we were supposed to pee in the cup, and a lot of yeah, fighters, they're supposed
2: to actually watch and monitor that, you know, they do for, for the exact they did. reason. Yeah. They, okay.
1: they did, but they're it's they're just such like it, it, I can't even tell you like how easy it was like to pull one over on right. these commissions. Right. And I tried to tell them that, you know, later in my career, like, but nobody, like I said, I even went to the sanctioning bodies and I said, look, I can tell you how it's done. And, uh, you know, I can help you with this because I know firsthand I was doing it, but uh, nobody wanted to hear it. And so finally I just came out with it myself because I feel like a lot of fighters, when they're first introduced to it, you don't know the complications that can arise I developed a vascular necrosis in in my hips, which I thought was really odd for someone who had like you know, was young, I had strong bones and I ended up having three hip replacements. I developed so many problems and I feel like these complications are not are not told to us. The trainers don't tell us this, the managers don't tell us this. Um, we don't we're not really educated. In it, and and I think that if I was, I would have, um, I would have, opted not to do it to stay to stay healthy, and not do put my body through what I put it through. But so my thought to come out with it was to educate people, and to let them know my experience, what I went through, and do you still want to do this? Sure. Is it worth it to you? Um, so anyway, let me ask you, how common is this in sports?
2: Well, well, before we even get into that, just, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear the, you know, the, the complications you had. And there's, there's not a lot of research really into Mm-mm. long-term effects. And there really aren't any controlled studies because you can't give large amounts of anabolic steroids to people just to see what will happen to them you know, right. from medical ethics. So so we really don't know what we do know certainly is that the potential side effects for women um are substantially more than for men because large amounts of anabolic androgens you know male hormones which really are are largely what all anabolic steroids are based on is more, that's more foreign to a woman's body right so you, the potential right. for affect, um, you know, voice changes, um, you know, uh, some masculinization, other things like right. that. And oral steroids typically are more potentially toxic to the liver than are injectable right. steroids. So that's also a factor there. It's funny that you said Winstrel is what you started out with um, because that's uh, in the uh, Jimenez fight uh, with Dizerne recently that's that's what she tested positive for um and that who, drug's been around forever did? that's winstrel used you know it, it, the chemical yeah. name is stenogalol
3: and right. that
2: was the original drug if you were in, you know back in 1988 at the Seoul olympics ben johnson
3: oh. the, uh, the canadian oh, right, sprinter right, right, you know right,
2: right. beat beat carl lewis the american and Everybody went crazy in Congress, and that's when a whole bunch of hearings were held about steroid use in sports. And that Ben Johnson's drug was Winstrel also.
1: Right. So well, that goes it's, way it's, back. It's, and, yeah, and, and it is yeah, a very popular one because um, it doesn't really bulk you up. It's more for speed and endurance. The one that really bulked me up was the, um, the DECA. Right. And, and that that uh, caused a lot of complications. That even, you know, I didn't. I don't think I had my period for a long time. A lot of right, right, yeah, yeah,
2: because it's a hormone, right? It's a it's a male hormone. So mm-hmm. uh, for women, the menstrual periods are, are going to be affected by by that right. in a big way.
1: Right. So, so how? But, is
2: yeah. it yeah, um, you know,
1: in terms of prevalence,
2: you know. It's hard to really know because, like you said before, it is a dirty little secret. It mm-hmm. it seems like over the last few years we've seen a lot of positives in in combat sports, um, not just for anabolic steroids but also for other performance enhancing drugs. Right. We've seen, um, you know, SARMs for example, and. Your listeners may be familiar with with that, SARMs, the uh, selective androgen receptor modulators. That's become quite popular in, in a lot of sports. We've seen a lot of uh, combat athletes test positive for osterine, which is a SARM. Um, these are not actually steroids, but they, they work somewhat like steroids. They, they give a little more uh, muscle and, and power, and so we've seen and that. And where do you get um, that?
1: Is that over, something over-the-counter?
2: Yeah, well, the, the two sources typically are either, uh, as there were some companies that were selling it as a dietary supplement, even though that's misbranding, it's not legally a dietary supplement, And there are also websites that sell, quote-unquote, research chemicals for research purposes only, not for human use. Um, And people buy it through those websites. The problem, of course, is when you buy things over the Internet that are are gray market or really black market, you really don't know what you're getting in terms of quality control, in terms of potential contamination. So when we look at side effects of these sorts of drugs, it's not just the drugs themselves, it's who made it, where did they make it, exactly. is it some dude in his basement, and, you know, exactly. cooking and something we up were, and selling it to you right. to inject in yourself, where to take by mouth.
1: Right, and that's where we're getting it. So, like, a lot of times we are ordering it from out of the country, we don't know who's making it. I remember there were exactly. times my whole body would break out in a rash, and I thought, what the wow. hell am I taking? Um, yeah, right. It's right. You don't very, know
2: what kind of impurities there are in exactly. it. Exactly. And, and, and me, I've represented uh, as a I do a, a lot of criminal defense work in the area of performance drugs. I also deal with a lot of doping cases. I represented the chemist in the BALCO case. For those who. Remember uh, the Balco yeah, case, which yeah. was the, the lab up in California, and, and there were numerous high-profile athletes associated oh, yeah. with
1: that. I remember that.
2: That. Everybody um, from Barry Bonds, Marion Jones, Tim right, Montgomery, gotta, Jason Giambi.
1: we got to take a, a break yes. and hear from our sponsors, but when we get back, I this is very fascinating. I, I love this. Um, so we'll talk about that when we get back. Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills. Because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality. So if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with. His experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers along with him also being a professional sculptor has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex. Please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com or call 310
0: We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction so don't delay. Visit MiaStJohnFoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most. In my career as a
1: professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for all.
0: You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring. Welcome
1: back in the ring with Mia and lawyer Rick Collins. Rick, I love hey, talking Mia. to you about this subject because it's something that like I've I've worked so hard um, in my career to, to you know to bring this to light and it's just been so yeah. difficult because it's it's something that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, there's a lot of money in the game you know and when you're talking about things that could possibly hurt that you know promoters certainly don't want to hear about it
2: right. Right. No, you know, the promoters and the infrastructure of not just boxing, but, but all organized sports really don't want the public to lose confidence in the integrity and fairness in sports. And so, um, so there's a, a disinterest, certainly, in, in really trying to expose it. But we do see scandals uh, happen uh, in all sports. We were just talking about Balco, which certainly was high profile, to say the least. And if you remember, Barry right. Bonds was associated with it and right. um, was taking a product which uh, called the Clear. If you remember that,
1: right? Yes, um, which, yes.
2: Which you know was actually a, a designer steroid, which he claimed he thought was. Black seed oil. Um, you know whether you believe that or you don't believe that is you know is well, up to the individual. Hard to
1: believe, but I know. was going to say that. Yeah, I remember when that whole thing happened with the MLB players, and um, it, there was a lot of crossover. Like I remember at the time, a uh, a lot of us were trading back and forth. You know, with with right. the baseball players and. Um with the boxers, we were there's a lot of sharing going on and um so it, it's not uncommon that it would cross over. Um right. So yeah, it it was very common. We have a caller. Um is Eliza on the line? Yes I am. Hi Hello. Eliza. Eliza is uh Hi, how a are professional you doing? good, how are you? <laughs> Eliza was a Wonderful. professional boxer Eliza Olsen from back in my day. Um, oh, hi, Eliza. Yeah. Hello. Uh, Eliza, do you have a question for us?
4: Uh, no. Or a I, comment? I feel, like, um, I, I feel like this whole steroid uh, conversation, you know, um, I, I watched the Fran Sean and Alejandra fight that just happened. Oh, and, that's um, right. I, yes, and, and Alejandra got um, in trouble for steroids i think i don't know what what sh- what she was using but um she was a heavyweight she had fought one of my good friends martha salazar um and right um she beat her um i don't think she beat her but whatever uh, you know how boxing is um yeah. but um <laughs> i feel like um then she lost all this weight and she got really in shape and i was she like oh ripped. my god she got ripped it was ripped. a total transition and uh and then um, she beat. She, she did. I felt like she did beat Fred Sean, um, but um, it was amazing the difference in the body. That right. um, and I how would she have done
1: if she wasn't using steroids? I know. And you know, and we and don't know. We just don't know. No, we.
4: And that's the whole thing. We don't know. We don't know. You know what? I I definitely um, makes you. I I feel like it makes. I, I, I felt like it looked like it made her thinner
1: and leaner and faster. Faster, kind of stronger. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And, you and, know. And that I think
2: it, that it's, and Eliza, I, I think that it depends on the sport, uh, the effects that steroids will have. So in baseball, right. for example, steroids aren't going to let you uh, see the ball uh, and, and connect with it better when you're when you're batting. Uh, it's not going to make a, a poor player into a great player, right. but if if somebody's a great player, the they're going to have that. more power. And and the problem in combat sports is that because power is so important, and obviously the 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 effects of the the combat aspect of it make a higher level of danger. So the, the, the use of steroids in combat sports has an element of risk and, and you know, danger that doesn't exist in other
4: sports. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't, exactly. I, I agree with you, um,
1: Doc. It's I not going to make you technically that. better.
4: It's not going to make a champion. It's, I don't believe it'll make a champion. Like, no. I don't care if Camilla was doing, I think Camilla will always be a champion. You know, he got in trouble. Well, yeah, because his, I
1: mean, his skill. Yeah, It's not going to improve believe, your skill believe, level.
4: I don't believe a lot of these people. Um, I mean, I believe that a lot of these fighters are still taking something. Like, I mean, I fought in Paris against a girl. Um, what was her name? Mariam Lamar. And I was like, we, you could see when we, in the weigh-ins, I was in my underwear. She was in her underwear. And we did a face-to-face, and we weigh in in our underwear. And I was like, oh, my God, this girl's huge. Yeah. (laughs) She had hip flexors and things that, I mean, I'm a Latin girl. Like, no matter what I did, there was, I mean, I did thousands of sit-ups and ran lots of miles, and I would never get that kind of a physique Right. um, like that, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what I don't understand is, like, Uh, Alejandra was tested twice and both times it came out positive. I don't understand why, why athletes don't just admit it. Like for me, I wanted to get caught, you know, like there was a, a point in my career where I was hoping and praying, like I would become very, Negligent, like in the testing, I would just be like, "Uh, eh, like whatever, I don't care." Because I wanted—it's like a little kid. Like I wanted someone to stop me, because I felt like right. there was a point where I couldn't stop for the life of me. Like I was addicted. Like if I tried to come off of it, I would go into a deep depression. Because you know how steroids—like I don't know—for for women, they they'll it'll bring you up, right? Right. So you're always like right. ah. And, and then when you come down, it's like, ah, oh, like the severe depression. So it's like I wanted so badly to get caught. And it's almost like I couldn't wait. Like, yes, I guess I'm on it. I'm doing it like right. do something. <laughs> well, Help I, me.
2: Know, and some people feel that way, Mia. But I think there are a lot of people who don't want to take personal responsibility For bad choices. And so they will do the dog ate my homework excuse. Uh, I didn't do it. It was, uh, you know, I didn't intend to. It must have been a food that I ate. It was a, I took a protein powder. And And so you do see a lot of, a a lot of excuses. But but the one thing to say on the other hand, though, to, to just make sure that people understand is that sometimes athletes can test positive who did not knowingly or intentionally take a banned substance. And we've seen that. I represented a boxer a few years ago by the name of Sam Solomon. Sam Solomon uh, fought okay. um, Felix Sturm in Dusseldorf, Germany,
1: right. uh, okay, and an eliminator
2: that. for the IBF middleweight title. And Sam tested positive uh, for a, uh, a banned substance after the fight. Um, and I was very much involved in that. We ultimately vindicated Sam, but Sam tested positive based on a dietary supplement product that he took, and he really did exercise an enormous amount of due diligence in choosing that product and was assured that that product would not be uh, anything that would cause a positive test. So, you know, we have to be careful sometimes, too, not to just label everybody who tests positive right. as a cheater. Because the system sometimes, sometimes um, gets somebody in trouble for something that they didn't knowingly or intentionally do.
1: Right. But, yeah. How often is that, though? (laughs) But, okay, I totally Uh, hear what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. I just think that athletes, like, we're kind of like, we kind of are, we know more than people think, you know. Even though I know, like a lot of athletes, will play dumb, like I didn't know or Canelo, it's it was in the meat. You know, I I think we're smarter than that. (laughs) I know people give us credit
4: for. Um, I look back at my grandfather's time during, like, um, my grandfather's Carl Bobolson. He fought during the '50s and he fought Sugar Ray Robinson, Kid Gablin, and I just think that during that time, um, I don't know if they were taking anything, but my grandfather was such a. I don't know, he had like a very, very deep voice um, and he was very strong and and the body didn't look like, you can kind of see when an athlete, the difference between an athlete that has some steroids and an athlete that isn't if you've been a professional athlete like Mia and I have been. Like you can see the difference, especially in women. And the vascularity and the muscularity, like, I don't know, it's just so different, you know. Well, um, even
1: look at the difference between Babe Ruth and guys like Barry Bonds, like, they're, or, or Jose Conseco, Like, there's a huge difference in, oh, in yeah, the body that's structure. Very
0: true. Right. We have Blanca well, right.
1: from Ruth San Francisco calling beer, in. Right? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. We have a caller, Blanca from San Francisco. Mia Hello, hello, Is this Blanca. Hello, Mia, Hi, How hello. are you? I hi, wanted to Blanca. say um, hi,
3: I love what you're doing, and I think these calls are necessary, and I follow you on Twitter. And all the stuff you're doing on steroids and addiction and, um, Thank AA you. and talking about that stuff is so necessary and to be transparent and, and to let people have a voice. So I'm glad that you have this call going on right now. Thank but, you so much. And you're yeah, welcome. I, just, I wanted to, um, go ahead. I wanted to say one thing. Um, I, I wanted to touch base on the steroid issue. You know, my brother and, um in the 1990s, won Ironman. And, you know, he was never as built as that, the the way he was during Ironman. And he did take steroids. And he won. And I I even believe he was in an all-natural competition, you know, and and he still won. And we knew he was doing steroids. And the thing with that is, um, the most importantly, he's having major heart issues now. Yes. And, He has stents and he will never be the same. And he gave up all his health to look good in the competition,
1: you know. And um, it does increase your cholesterol level. Yeah. A lot of athletes that were on steroids have heart problems now. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's
3: common. Yeah. And you could get them in the gym. I remember going to the gym and there was a whole network of guys that were selling them. I mean, this was something that was ongoing. Yes. um, When you come down to someone like Alejandra um, Jimenez versus Franchon Cruz, what I didn't like about that is she tested positive twice, and now there's an investigation. But for me, and no disrespect to any federations or whatever, what's there to investigate? I mean, really? Well, let's um, get back. Let's take a break. Uh,
1: Let's take a break a break and hear from our sponsors and we'll answer that when we get back. In my career as a professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for all.
0: We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit miastjohnfoundation.org today. And help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most.
1: Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills. Because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality. So if you're looking for a Hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural, you can keep it a secret. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you you should consult with. His experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers, along with him also being a professional sculptor, has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex. Please don't wait and visit Dr. Lawrence Rifkin.com or call 310
0: You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring.
1: Welcome. You're back in the ring with Mia and Rick and Blanca and Eliza.
2: Well, you, you had a uh, split between the WBO and the WBC in terms of how to deal with it, right, Mia?
1: Well, yeah, I guess, okay, so I guess Alejandra is challenging the commission with an appeal. And right. they spoke and with the commission. That's the way
2: it typically works in a, in a doping case, right? Uh, it's
1: okay. They test the A
2: sample, and then, if they, then they test the B sample, and if both are positive, then it's a then it's a, a doping positive, And then your remedy is to file an appeal to challenge that finding.
1: Okay. So they're saying that um, they'll have a hearing and the no contest with the no contest. And that is why we cannot rule until the process is finished. So they can't do anything else until the, the appeal is finished. Is that correct?
2: So, so, boxing is one of those strange sports where historically it's been kind of, um, individualized per fight. You know, so, so for example, in Sam Solomon's fight, the bout agreement is the, the, the deciding factor in terms of drug testing. So they would put a section in about drug testing into the bout agreement. And that would describe what was lawful and what was unlawful, so to speak, in in the course of the fight, Uh, unlike uh, the World Anti-Doping Agency, uh, which has control over many, many other sports in the Olympics, where it's not individualized to the bout agreement. Everybody knows what's banned, what's not banned. There's a mm-hmm. website that has a list, and everybody's subjected to the same rules. With boxing, it really it can vary a little bit. Now we've got the, the VADA, the, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Agency, which is beginning to um, to be have more authority over boxing. And I think we do need more consistency in terms of how the process works. Wow. You know, a, a lot of people, a lot of the, the commentators were talking about Alejandra's B sample, and, well, the A was positive, but we really need to wait and see for the B. Well, technically, that's true. You need both the A and the B sample. But as you know, Mia, it's, it's one sample of urine in a cup that's divided into two. So if it, you know, the A and the B came out of the same cup, if the A was positive, oh. it's extremely unlikely that the B will be anything other than the finding in the A. And the, the, even if the B po- sample is positive, that doesn't mean necessarily that the the boxer intentionally cheated. Again, it could be something like SAM or it came from a dietary supplement. Um, so, so we really need what, to look at every case substance? individually.
1: What was the substance that she was accused of or tested positive for?
2: So Alejandra tested positive for the very same drug that you described at the very beginning of our uh, talk Winstrol. today, which was Winstrel. <laughs> yes, Winstrel, which is a, um, either comes in pill form uh, right. or uh, in a water based injectable version. Um, but it's not commonly seen in dietary supplement products as a contaminant. That's fairly unlikely, um, or at least less common. There are other things that have been more common in dietary supplements. That's not one of them.
1: Right. No, I would assume not. And that's pretty common in Mexico, um, in Mexico pharmacies. So it's not like it's hard to get, you know, these drugs right. are, are easily attainable. So, um, the problem is knowing whether, like you said, they're, who's making it, where are they making it?
2: Right. I mean, I right. And, not, and the
1: more the problem,
2: the more you crack down sometimes on things, the more you drive up the black market, right? Basic laws, Of supply and demand. If there's a demand for something, one way or another, there's going to be a supply. And if it's a black market supply, then you do have quality control issues.
1: What about if, wasn't it in the Olympics that there was a time way back in the day? I don't know if it was the Olympics or was it weightlifting that you were allowed a certain amount was it bodybuilding?
2: Well, there's on all the testing. There's typically thresholds on certain um, substances or, or chemicals in the body. So, for example, testosterone um, is something that's in the body of every man, woman, and child, right? And so okay. we all have testosterone levels, but but they've created years ago. They created a cutoff. To determine whether you're taking so much that it's that it's coming from an outside source, and the way they measure that is something called the TE ratio. They they look at two different hormones, testosterone and epitestosterone, and which should be roughly in the area of one to one as a ratio. And so, if it's more than six to one by most standards, now more you know six times the testosterone to epitestosterone. Once it hits that level that is presumptive that you are taking testosterone from outside the body, and that's when you would fail a drug test. And that's true in most sports. That's the the TE ratio test for testosterone.
1: Okay, now what about a woman who uh, carries a lot of testosterone? Like, say, a very manly woman.
2: Yeah, well, it should still be, the ratio should be the same. The way that they they test, uh, another way of testing for whether somebody is taking shots of testosterone, not just the natural production, the, the endogenous production, but exogenous, you know, coming in from outside the body, is that there's a carbon isotope test. And that really looks at the, the testosterone molecule that's in the sample to determine whether it is a um, human derived hormone, or whether it is plant derived. Because when we take a shot of testosterone, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is a synthetic version that's based that comes from plants. So, by looking at the different um, chemicals, you can determine, as a drug tester, whether it came from outside the body. And if it came from outside the body, then then you're doping, and then you're you fail the test.
1: Right. Okay. Now, what do you think, here's what I've always wondered, like, do you think there are some commissions that just, they have you pee, they get your test, and they just don't do anything with it, because they don't want to spend the money? Say it's not a big fight.
2: You know, uh, I would hope that's not happening. It's funny, I I spoke with, uh, I did an interview a year or two ago with a female bodybuilder who um, told me that she had been using steroids for many years and had entered natural contests and, uh, as, a, as a doped athlete and that in some cases they were so lax that she had a few techniques where she would substitute another woman's urine for hers and she described in detail the, the process by which she tricked them with that. Um, yes, but she also that. said that she was sure that in some cases they simply never even sent the sample in to be tested, that's, either see, because they didn't I want think. to spend the money or they were just too lazy to do I, it. They didn't want anybody to be they didn't want to be associated with an adverse finding.
1: Right. I think it's more common that it's a money factor. I don't know. I just find it hard to believe. that. I would hope not, I, that but, I outsmarted. <laughs> the boxing world for so many years, you know, I right. just find that hard to believe that I find it hard to believe that I never got caught really. Cause I was well, so look, look at,
2: look at Lance Armstrong, Mia look, look at Lance Armstrong. I mean, if you want the poster child for getting away with it, uh, here's a guy who
1: tested, he you know, spent a ton of money over and over, and over. on masking drugs and, ways to get away with it I was very careless because uh, there was a point like yeah. I said in my career that I wanted to get caught that I just didn't care anymore about hiding <laughs> right, it, right. you know but um so Eliza yeah. tell us what you have coming up is Eliza there
4: with um I'm training mm-hmm. a lot of fighters right now that's what I'll, so I'll doing training right now. now so I'm yeah, I'm training a lot of fighters. So I'm I'm I've been running and getting back in shape. The last time I fought, I fought against Mariela Cornejo after a 10-year yes. hiatus. I had um I, remember I had that. lost Yeah, in my four, I, that was 4 years ago. Now I just turned 44. I was 40 years old. And um so um I had, I took a 10-year hiatus. My brother had passed away of uh drugs and uh, overdose sorry. and um and then no, my best friend got hit by a train and so um oh I, I had God. a lot of Ouch. I had a lot of stuff, kinda like three things that just really knocked oh, me down. Right. And I, had, I was going through a lot of grief. And so um but wow. right now I'm doing um uh yeah, I'm doing a lot of um train fighters and I'm giving them the love that I always needed when I was a fighter, I feel like. Okay. Um, so it's really good. And I'm working okay. along with Blanca uh with uh okay. the Boxing. Team. Yeah, she Yeah, Yay. we're doing the Boxing International women's boxing team and um, we're gonna um start uh picking our girls again. We had gone up to Canada uh two years ago and we did um uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman Boxing, and we went to Canada, and we had 15 girls, 14 of them won, so, um, yeah, so I've been just really coaching, it's been really, okay. really beautiful, I love, yeah, and training, uh, and training people, yeah, I've got okay. some really good, uh, I have a good fighter right now, Seth Fatsuvi. I, I had some um, good fighters that got into the Olympic Trials, um, yeah, so I've been just that's what I've been doing is boxing. And, and I I work along uh, side by side with Block of Gutierrez and Beautiful Brawlers. So oh, it's good. been great. It's been really wonderful and working with.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. It was so good to hear from you after all these years.
4: Oh, God, I, I remember. It's so funny because we hadn't talked since i left the ring when I fought against Sunshine Federer
1: in Louisiana. Oh, my God, <laughs> was, yes. I remember that. that was, wow. I, so many and years And you had fought
4: a girl yeah. from Minnesota. I remember that. I remember And meeting your mother and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. Uh, so,
4: yeah. Well, always I, much, much respect and love to you, and you're doing
1: a great oh, job. I love this you. Podcast. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. yeah, for sure. You take care. Okay, you too. Rick, how can we get a hold of you? How can people find you?
4: So um, um, I'm pretty easy
1: to find. My
2: website is is steroidlaw.com. So uh, there's plenty of great information and a blog up there. And people can follow me on social media at Rick Collins ESQ.
1: Great. So thank you so much for coming on the show
2: oh it was great you're a legend Mia thanks so uh, much
1: thank you and we're going to be back with Beverly Hills cosmetic dentist Dr. Lawrence Rifkin and he's going to give us an update on the coronavirus Okay, so let me talk to you for a moment about my favorite cosmetic dentist, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin in Beverly Hills. Because anyone that knows me knows how important my teeth are, especially having boxed for over 20 years. Have you ever wondered how your favorite stars have such flawless smiles? Have you ever seen a star with a noticeably fake smile? The difference between the two is the cosmetic dentist they chose. Dr. Lawrence Rifkin has been a dentist to the stars in the heart of Beverly Hills for the past 30 years. His patients are the elite of all industries and have a discerning eye for quality so if you're looking for a hollywood smile makeover that looks so natural you can keep it a secret Dr. Lawrence Rifkin is the cosmetic dentist you should consult with. His experience as a pioneer in smile makeovers along with him also being a professional sculptor has made him a leader in creating beautiful smiles as well as all your dental needs from the simplest to the most complex. Please don't wait and visit DrLawrenceRifkin.com or call 310-273-0200.
0: We'd like to thank you for listening to In the Ring with Mia. When not on set, she's busy helping the less fortunate through the Mia St. John Foundation. And now, Mia could use your help more than ever by visiting her at her website, miastjohnfoundation.org, and making a donation. You help create a safe place for those suffering from mental illness, homelessness, and addiction. So don't delay. Visit miastjohnfoundation.org today and help us make changes in the lives of those who need it the most. In my career
1: as a professional boxer, I've knocked out many opponents in the ring. Now I need your help to knock out my toughest opponent yet, the stigma surrounding mental illness. I'm on a personal mission to help people understand that with the right kind of support, individuals with mental health conditions can live productive lives. And that's why I serve as a board member for Step Up, a national nonprofit organization headquartered in Santa Monica, California, that is helping save the lives of young adults and others with serious mental health conditions across the country. Step Up also works to end homelessness for this group of individuals. I urge you to go to their website at www.stepuponsecond.org and get involved in the fight today. Together, you and I can knock out stigma once and for
0: all. You are listening to In the Ring with Mia. To reach Mia St. John or her guest on today's show, call in with questions or comments to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to Mia St. John blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back in the ring.
1: Welcome. You're back in the ring with Mia and Dr. Lawrence Rifkin from Beverly Hills. Hello, Dr. Rifkin. Good morning, Mia.
5: Hi, good morning, Mia. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing? How are you holding uh, up in, in all, this, to... all this chaos? Yeah, you
5: know, actually, oh, in this chaos, yeah, it, it certainly is uh, a little bit of a uh, chaotic, but it's a, it's the new normal. And I'm trying to always keep a positive smile on my face and look at the opportunities that uh, are available to us now that we have some time to think and not on that treadmill of uh, that work cycle that we have. And it's a great time, even though it's a serious time to be creative and, and improve our lives in many, many different yeah. ways. So uh, I've uh, noticed to stay you're so
1: I've seen your videos on Instagram and on mm-hmm. Twitter, and you seem so jolly and positive <laughs> while the rest <laughs> of us are like, ah, oh, when is this going to end? So how do you keep such a positive attitude?
5: Uh, You know, I think sometimes it's a choice. I I, I get fatigued being depressed. I get uh, downed watching the news. Uh, I mean, a lot of the news is very informative. It's necessary. A lot of it uh, creates panic uh, or concern with confusing information from the media. And, uh, you know, this is a very, uh, what's the word, Uh, transitional time, it's it's flowing. It's constantly changing. We have to adapt to it. And the best way we can is, is never give up. I mean, you're a fighter. You know, we're, we've been through epidemics and terrorism and, and tragedies and, and wildfires, and, and we will survive. We will overcome this, and it's an opportunity for us to grow and be stronger. So I always try to look at the positive. As much as I am aware of the, uh, the the seriousness of the situation, so you know I'm I'm never going to give up. I you're a living example of someone that never quits. So uh, uh, that's how I keep my positive attitude. I guess.
1: Yeah, because you're always you're always so happy, um, which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is good. I love that. Um, y- yeah, Trump was saying this is what's depressing me. Trump was saying Pressing Easter. Me, he was so adamant about Easter, and now we're looking at. Another month. Now we're going into May. What's yeah. the likelihood that we're going to be going throughout the summer?
5: You know, um, I don't think anybody knows. I think that a lot of things are being uh, innovative and trying to meet this immediate crisis. And uh, uh, I don't think anybody can predict exactly. I think the the crisis will. Obviously, and sooner, we'll be able to update our treatments, uh, hopefully cures, uh, hopefully find vaccines for the long-term benefit. But uh, there's a lot of steps that are now being accomplished to help improve the situation. So I couldn't, I don't think anybody can give you the exact date. We're just trying to catch up, as they call flatten the curve by reducing and not overloading the hospitals with new cases by reducing the amount of exposure and transmission of this disease. But, you know, there is, uh, the longer this goes, the the more prevalent the environment is in supporting people that are being uh, anxious and depressed. And and I, I know you're fully aware of this, the concern for the collateral damage of suicide from people
1: living in despair,
5: not knowing where their next paycheck is going to come from, is now uh, a really, really important aspect. And this is partly due to the the fear of the disease, as well as the fear of income and the businesses being shut down. And I know that's a hard thing. All doctors want to save every life possible. And, you know, part of those lives are people that are either mentally depressed, uh, suicidal, so we've got to reduce all of this. We've got to protect the people from the actual disease, and we've got to protect the people from being uh, unduly uh, anxious and depressed from this. And I think uh, yeah. well, I there think are some innovations that are that are coming along. Uh,
1: what tips can you give us now? Like, what's the update? Well, on uh, keeping yeah, a quick update and- that I heard
5: on the, on the news last night to start to build the positivity back. Number one, there are uh, we're trying to ramp up the now. New testing that now doesn't take a few days to get the results, there are new nasal swabs that are coming out that will give you the results in about 13 to 15 minutes to tell you whether you're positive or not. If you're positive, uh, obviously you have to self-isolate, watch your symptoms, and hopefully you won't get worse. We have to protect the most vulnerable, the the elderly, the immunocompromised, etc., uh, they're also, interestingly enough, uh, a dental company called Henry Shine has come up with a blood test that will tell you if you've already had it and you have immunity or the antibodies for it.
4: So wow. what this
5: means and translates, yeah, what this means and translates into, the sooner we can get people uh, out of this anxiety and not depressed and feel that we are now safer to go back to work, then not only will... I'm not worried about the world economy. That's secondary to lives. There's no price for a life. But the, the reduction of anxiety, the ability to get back to work for those that are not at risk or low risk or have been proven to have immunity, that should be a reasonable uh, goal. You know, I heard the term, uh, what is it called? Um, let me think about this. Um, when we can get, you know, shut down what we have to and open up what we can There's a better way of saying that. I agree. uh, You probably heard that. Open, Yeah, open where possible and closed where necessary. That's the new hope as these new innovations come out. You know, in the beginning, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't have some of these things. We had to presume that everybody was a potential carrier, which they are. But if we can select out who is not a carrier and who has immunity, those people should not be uh, restricted as, as right. they are needed to be today and go back to work. And this will help reduce the anxiety right. and help reduce the well, potential you, for the collateral damage of depression.
1: Will you keep doing your your positive videos? And I love it. You're on Instagram. You're, what is your IG? How can well, we find IG you? Well, my
5: IG is, uh, yeah, Dr. Lawrence Rifkin, D.D.S. So Lawrence is spelled L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. And, and I want... Yeah, people can and find out how to do their enhanced oral hygiene. Yeah,
0: and ahead,
5: your
1: website is Rifkin dot com, and right. your Twitter is at uh, Lawrence Rifkin. I know because <laughs> 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 I, I follow you. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a I'm a dentist, so you know I, I'm not social media. You know, well, I follow you. I know what it is. It's uh, Thank at you. Lawrence Rifkin on Twitter. So. Stay tuned. Please follow up with Dr. Rifkin and love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me in the ring.
0: Thank you for tuning in to in the ring with Mia. Be sure to join host Mia St. John for the next show on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern time and 7 a.m. Pacific time on the voice America variety channel. Remember you are one of the most important people in the world.